Amen. Ready for the word? Oh, somebody says, let's say this together, Father. In the name of our son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in your son. There is no contradictions, no confusion in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified and we are edified. Amen. Ah, you're not sounding like you mean it. Amen. Amen. All right. So, you know, many a times in our life, we have an opinion about God. Many a times in our life, we have opinion about God. We have, we have a way God, we have a way God, um, we have a way we see God or how God should react to an issue. So, some of us, we carry our long-time belief. We carry some of our religious beliefs. We carry some of our long-time belief um, about God. So many of us are quite religious about the way we think. We, we view God in a perception that God is not supposed to be viewed. I, I have a message this morning titled, if you, have a, if you want to title it, There is Nothing Wrong With You. Hallelujah. Tell anybody say there is nothing wrong with you. You know that's that's a good title, right? You know you say come to supernatural community church. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. All right. So so many a times, like I said, we we just have this opinion. We have this mindset. We have this idea of how we should view God. We have this perception. We have this mindset. So all of us have, many of us, we saw God as that evil person. Some of you have, some of you have a, a, contra, a contradiction of God in such that God is that God who kill it, take it, does, you know, there's, there's something my mother used to say, uh, my father used to say, God does as he pleases. So he can just wake up this morning and just decide that you should not be alive. You know, he can just wake up this morning and just feel like you don't, you should not come to church so it strikes you with something. <laughs> no. So, and we, and so, we, and we, so we, and we forget that the scriptures hold a place in our hearts. The scriptures must give us the idea of how God must be. The scriptures must give us and teach us what we should do from God's word. We must learn from God's word what God is all about. Hallelujah. We must learn from God's word what God is all about. So many of us, we grew up with that perception, seeing God as a strange being, seeing God as a complicated being, seeing God as that guy who just, you know, tomorrow there's tornado, is God controlling it? Tomorrow there's hurricane, is God doing it? No. That is not who God is. So, because the scriptures must hold the final authority in our heart. Look at in 2 Timothy 3.16. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. So, you should, 
So that is why it says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. So that means the scripture must give us a perception of who God is. The scripture must give us a perception. So that means you must be so ready every time you come to church for your mindset to be changed as far as we are looking at the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? I mean, if you are following me to this point, let me see your hands. All right, cool. So that's why in supernatural communities, you come to church with your Bible because we are not ready to deceive you. You look at the scriptures yourself. You must have a Bible in supernatural community church. So you look at what we are saying because that is where we get our ideas from. That is where we get our opinions from. That is where we get our thoughts pattern from, from the word. It says all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Correction in the Greek, it means epanothesis. It means to straighten things back to their use of place. So that means if you were thinking in this pattern before, when you see God's word, you readjust your thinking. So we grew up with strange contradictions in our minds. We should not be so. Now, let's, let's look at the scriptures. Let's go to John 8. We want to do study this morning. We said we, we call this study. What do we call this study? Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with you. Say that, say, tell, your, tell yourself, say there's nothing wrong with me. All right. Look at, in, look at in John 8. We want to read. I want you to follow this story properly. Hallelujah. Look at John 8, verse 1. John 8, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in that morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. See Jesus now teaching, right? So to teach them means to explain the scriptures, just like we do Sunday mornings, midweek service, Bible seminar. We explain the scriptures. And now you now say, look at something in verse 3. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman thinking in adultery. And when they are set eye in the midst. Now, who are the scribes and the Pharisees? The scribes and the Pharisees are men who understand the law. They understand the old covenant properly. So this means that, now look at in, look at in verse 4. It says, they said unto the woman, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Look at in verse 5. It says, Now Moses in the law commanded us such that should be stoned, but what saith thou? So that means, don't forget, look at the progression of this story. Jesus was doing what? He was teaching, right? Now, and in the midst of the teaching, let's just say like a Sunday service like this, somebody just walk into the service and say, Pastor, um, what sayest thou on this situation? Are you seeing it? Now, so Jesus was teaching, and so that means they probably picked a statement that Jesus was saying out of context. I say, ah, what of this woman that we caught in the very heart of adultery? And you know, for there to be adultery, it must be two people. There must be an adulterer and an adulteress. <laughs> but they caught just one woman. Are you seeing their problem? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. For them to be an adultery, it must be adulterer and an adulteress. There must be two people involved. Okay. <laughs> so, now look at in verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what saith thou? 
So that means she ought to die. So they picked the scriptures that Jesus was teaching from and they said, look at this scripture, man of God, pastor. Moses said she's supposed to die. So what do you say? Now look at in verse 6. This they said, tempting him, but that they have to accuse him. But Jesus took down and in his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So that means he ignored them, right? He ignored them. Look at in verse 7. And when he continued, he lifted up, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that, is, he that is without sin among you. I like that statement. It says among you. Let him cast a stone at her. Now look at in verse 8. He now says, and again he stooped down and rode on the ground. So that means he ignored them. He just continued doing what he was doing. Look at in verse 9, and, it's, and, they, and they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, went out, from, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Now, you know when it says beginning from the elders, you know, elderly people will say, no, you, you can't allow a 33-year-old man disgrace me just like that. You know, all of them say, no, let's look at all the senior pastors, the bishop, all the leaders. It's just disgracing our ministry. <laughs> so, so and, to, and now, who are those people? Who are those people that came to Jesus? Who are these people that beginning from the elders to the youngest? What did they represent? They represented religion. They represented the law. The religion brought this woman to Jesus and they quoted from Deuteronomy 17 verse 7 from the scriptures. Don't forget, in Matthew 19 verse 3, Jesus told them that in the beginning it was not so. Moses suffered you to put your husband away because of the hardness of their heart. So that means the law of Moses was an altercation of something. So now look at something that was very careful there. They quoted the same scriptures. Now, look, look at it though. That's why you see, you, you, we have to explain the scriptures correctly. They brought the same scriptures to Jesus and they are using the scriptures to accuse the woman. I, used, I remember I used to tell people, I say, there is nothing you are looking for in the scriptures to justify your means, you will not find. If you are looking for scriptures to justify killing, you will find. If you are looking for scriptures to justify shooting someone, you will find. If you are looking for scriptures to justify stealing, you will find it. There's nothing. But it has to be properly explained. So look at Jesus here. He said, who among you? Who among you is without a sin? Let him cast a stone. So they represented, who are these guys? They represented the law, the religion. They represented the religion. My big question is, where is the man? Where is the man? Why did they have to bring the woman alone? I, I, I think many, of, many people have not thought about that. Where is the man? Okay, why are they not casting a stone at the man? For there to be an adultery, it takes two parties to be involved. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Where is the man? So, 
but the faith of Christ is not gender sensitive. So I say, ah, you know, so you see, women are facing a lot of issues. Today, today in church, they say women cannot be pastor, women should cover their hair, women should wear skirt, women should not wear trousers. Ah, ah. Let the women breathe. Let the women, let the women just breathe. <laughs> they say women cannot be pastor. If, if, why, 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 why should women be preaching? Why should women be, ah, ah. Can't the women just leave? You know? <laughs> See, women should not put what belongs to a woman. Women should not, ah, ah. Only women. I have a teaching, dear women. You should listen to it. <laughs> that, that's the title, dear women. I just had an exhortation for you guys. I will continue this year, later on next year. <laughs> so... So, the woman was left right in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Look at something. She said, look at it. She said, look at, let's look at that verse 9. And when they heard it, being convinced in their own conscience, they went out from the beginning and to the elders, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman was in the midst. And Jesus lifted his eyes and saw no one and said unto the woman, Woman, why where are thy accusers? So she was left alone in the presence of God. You know, Jesus is the representation of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is not just a messenger. He is the message. Hallelujah. I don't know if you know that. He is the message. Jesus is God. He says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, my my Father and I, we are one. So the woman was left in the presence of God. John 5, verse 39, search ye the scriptures, ye think ye have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me. So when you read the scriptures, the scriptures testify of Jesus. Luke 24, verse 25, 25, it says, the Lord, the prophets of Moses, all of them speaks about him. So the woman was let right in the presence of God. And what did God say? He said, where is your accusers? He says, had no man condemned thee, and she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Right in the presence of God, the Lord left. Right in the presence of God, religion can't stand. Right in the presence of God, the condemnation, the voice of condemnation, the accusers, the, the voice of accusation could not stand. So that means many of us have grown up to think the way they are thinking. And you know, let me tell you something. Many of you, you've grown up to think the way this guy is taught. The law wasn't there anymore. The religion wasn't there anymore. Many of you, you see people tattooed on their head, you condemn them in their minds. Many of you, you see people, oh, you see, you see people, maybe they've tattooed even their eyeball. You say, ah, sinner. You say, you say, oh, such a sinner. You see, people, they, maybe they, their hair is somehow, you say, nah, this one is going to hell. <laughs> no, that is not the way God sees them. Imagine God is standing right in their presence. What is he going to say? Is he going to condemn them? Is he going to accuse them? Is he going to judge them? Some of you, maybe you're doing outreach. Somebody just tells you, I killed 
I just came back from jail. Why are you coming from jail? And my next convict said, hey! She said, yeah! <laughs> and maybe the person was very vulnerable, which he said, I killed like 10 people, you know. Killing is just like a hobby for me. He said, oh! I said, all right, um, how about we just, let me just call your number and let's meet later. He's a liar, you want to run away. <laughs> what is Jesus going to say? Hallelujah. The woman stood right in the presence of God. And what happened? Jesus could not find the fault. <laughs> Jesus could not find the fault. Drew said, invested. Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no woman, and saw no one, but the woman said, woman. And he said unto her, woman, where are thy accusers? Have no man condemned thee? So do you mean, so what was Jesus saying? He was asking, do you mean no one was sinless? All these guys trying to stone you, were they that righteous? They also had their things they are doing in their corner. It's just because you didn't tattoo your own body. You just don't have the mind to do it. Hallelujah. It's just because you haven't killed. Paul was a murderer. He killed people before he became, believed the gospel. Moses was once a killer. But God used them. Hallelujah. God used them. So when you see a man, the first thing you should do is to think like God. So Jesus said, go and see no more. Go and see no more. Repentance come after forgiveness. I'll say that again. Repentance come after forgiveness. Because, because it, but a lot of people think otherwise, that you have to ha, ask for forgiveness first before you are repented or something like that. A lot of people preach, change your ways, then God will bless you. Change your attitude, God will bless you. Change your lifestyle, God will bless you. That's not what God said to her. God could have said, don't be an adulterer again, then you go and sin no more. That was not what he said. But what we hear today, or the kind of mindset we condition our mind with, is, hey, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. No, calm down. So we have that mindset. A lot of you still have a condition of mindset that, the reason why God is not blessing me is because I'm doing something wrong. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That can't be it. It says the same rain that fall on the just is the same rain that fall on the unjust. That can't be it. Some people believe the reason why God has not healed them of their sickness is because God is trying to teach them a lesson. No. God doesn't teach people a lesson with sickness. If you are sick, if you are in pain, you are in sorrow. You won't come to church. That's not God's plan for your life. God doesn't want you dead. God doesn't want you on the sick bed. That is why healing belongs to anyone. Even before you tell the person, believe the gospel, you can heal the sick first and the person will be healed. Muslims can get healed. Buddhists can get healed. Haters can get healed. It's God's graciousness. There was no one of the four Gospels that Jesus told, before I heal you, you will first believe me. No. So why was Jesus doing this? 
Why was Jesus showing them this? Let's look at another story. Luke 19. Are you, if you're following me this morning, let me see your hands this morning. All right. Let's look at another story. Luke 19. Are you enjoying this this morning? All right. Luke 19. Let's look at another story. And Jesus entered. Are you there? Luke 19 verse 1. I'll wait for you. See, see why you in supernatural commission, we allow you to come to church with your Bible? So you'll be looking at it like this. <laughs> I don't think there will ever come a time where we have to put this scripture on the screen. It's, I don't think it will happen in this church. I do, even when we are one billion, everybody will still bring their Bible. Hallelujah. <laughs> that culture is a good culture. Come to church with your Bible, not your keypad. I'm sorry. I know I didn't mean to offend anyone. Uh, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm <laughs> just joking. All right, look at Luke 19, verse 1. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, for he was rich. <laughs> you know, he was a Jew. <laughs> I like the way they did descriptions of the four gospels. He was... A chief among the public, that is, he was somebody in the top position. Maybe he's the FI, uh, IRS leader or IRS CEO, you know, the boss, and he was rich. You know, so he was a task collector, he was a Jew, he was a task collector, and he was rich. He was a popular guy. You know, today now, if, if a preacher takes picture picture with that kind of everybody will have condemned the preacher. Ah. Uh-uh. Is this really a man of God? Why should he be taking picture with this kind of man? He's going to hell. No, different perception. Imagine now, you see my picture now with Nicki Minaj tomorrow. What will you think? <laughs> now, see, 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 see what we're saying. Look at what we're talking about. <laughs> Look at what we're talking about. You just see, you just see on our Facebook that I, on our Facebook page, Pastor and Nicki Minaj chilling. Someone said, ah, oh, you see, I said this. Supernatural community showed I knew it. They had a problem. <laughs> you see, look at, I just exposed your mind. All right. <laughs> All right. Look at the Luke 19. Verse 1. Look, so look, it, it was a sheep. Look at Zacchaeus. So look at verse 3. He said, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for his press because he was of a little stature. It was like Chiamaka. It was like a little stature. <laughs> Chiamaka is the briefest. You know what is the briefest? I think even Lola and Tola, they are, they are taller than Chiamaka in, in my perception. She's the briefest. <laughs> in the whole... I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. He <laughs> says, and he ran. Up. No, these are things that they should be doing. Those brief people. And he ran before and climbed up on the sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And Jesus came to that place and looked up and said unto him, and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, hallelujah. That word today is the salvation time. I will explain it tomorrow. I will explain it later. For today, I must abide at thy house. Here? You know, every, you know, imagine 
those that cheat you, just that do all of those things in the society, that's who Jesus is going to his house to eat. You know, today now everybody will say, ah, Jesus is going to hell. Look at him in verse 6. And he made this and come down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured. Look at them. You know, just like you murmured now with me and Nicki Minaj. Uh, it says, the murmur saying that he was going to be guests with a man that is a sinner. Ha! Religion. <laughs> you know, I don't even know that this is the same way everybody still thinks today. I don't even know that. It says, he has gone to the sinner's house. So let's say me and Nicki Minaj and maybe Jay-Z. Kanye West, Beyonce, we just have a brunch together. Say, ha, pastor has gone to dine, wine and dine with the sinners of our society. That's, you know, you will not say physically. You won't, you won't be able to say it boldly, but you will say it to your heart because that's what they did. They murmured, saying, ah, that he was going to be guest with a sinner. Look at it, verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood, and said unto the Lord, Lord, behold, the half of my goods, behold, it says, and he said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the poor I give unto my good, I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything for every man, first I restore him unto him <laughs> four folds. Now, look at something that you must learn in this statement. Religion tells you you will go to God. How many of you know that? Religion tells you to go to God. But do you know Christ has come down to us? All we just have to do is to believe him. Christ has come down to us. Some we say Jesus is spoiling his image. You know those things. Pastor is spoiling his image. What do you want the world to think about him? Ah! Jesus is spoiling his image. Have you seen that? But Jesus went to him directly. He didn't go to Jesus. He went to his house. And do you know that is exactly what God has done for us in salvation. We don't go to Jesus. He has come down. So whoever believes in him, he makes his abode in his heart. God now lives in the man who believes in the gospel today. He has come down to us. Hallelujah. You know that sad song, you came from heaven to earth to show the way of the cross to the earth. Look at Luke. Look at Luke 7. Let's go to Luke 7. Are you enjoying this? Luke 7. Because a lot of us have so much perceptions in our minds. Luke 7. Let's see another story again. Let's look at another story. So we've seen two stories. Did Jesus condemn anyone? Did Jesus condemn the woman with adultery? No, sir. Zacchaeus? No, sir. All right, let's look at this one. Look at it in Luke 7. So, are you saying you don't judge people? You don't castigate people, right? Yes, sir. You come to them, show them the love of Christ, right? Yes, sir. Right, guys? Yes, sir. But in church, we can deal with you. I'm just joking. <laughs> All right, look at it in Luke 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him. 
And he went to the Pharisee's house, and behold, he, and behold, he sat down at meat. And look at something in verse 37. And behold, the woman in the city, look at what happened. Which was what? Look at how they describe her. Which was what? A sinner. <laughs> it's the way they did description for me in the poor gospel. They called her a sinner. Which was a sinner? When she knew that Jesus was admitted to the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the years of her head, kissed his feet, anointed them with ointment. Ha! Look at verse 13. You know, that is see now doing this on Jesus. Look at 39. And the Pharisees, you know, you know look at what religion does in 36, in 39. And when the Pharisees, which are bidding him, saw it, he spake with himself, saying, this man, if he had, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that tortured him, for she is a sinner. Look at the way religion thinks. Because many of us still have that kind of mindset in our minds. The Pharisees, who, who are the Pharisees? They are the ones who keep the law. You know, these kind of things now would have brought a bad reputation to his ministry. They would say, Jesus was dining with, you know, if it's like today's word now, CNN will have taken and said, Jesus dined with sinners. Breaking news, Jesus was seen with a sinner rubbing his feet, anointing the feet. Is he really a man of God? Is he a prophet? If he's a prophet, he should have known he's a sinner. So question for the day. You know, that's how they do it in the news. We need to ask ourselves, who should we listen to? <laughs> See, look at, look at what Jesus now did in verse 14. And Jesus answering unto them, saying, Simon, I somewhat to say something to thee. And he said, Master, say on. Jesus wanted to explain because at least his disciples were there. So there were certain creditors which had two debtors, and one holding 500 pence and other 50. And when he had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me before which of them will love, me, love him most. And Simon said, and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said, Dad, rightly, George, whom he forgave the most. You know, strange human beings in the present, a lot of strange, you know, so many things happen. A lot of strange human beings are in the presence of God today, and they are feeling judged. A lot of people come to church today not feeling accepted. I am not in support of the transgender community. I'm not, but I'm not going to castigate them. Hallelujah. I'm not in support of, of the homosexuality, but I'm not going to sh close the door of the church against them. I'm not in support. I preach against it, but I will not close the door against them. Hallelujah. Because Jesus loved, if Jesus was in the world holding this service today, would he chase them away? Yes. No. 
So they are welcome. Hallelujah. That is where they will see and see their true identity. That is where they will see that there is nothing wrong with them. They just have to renew their minds. So when you see that the first line of action is not to castigate them, no, it's to show them the love of God. I forgot to say something in the Zacchaeus story. You know, people could not really see Zacchaeus, um, Jesus like that. They were blocking Jesus. Some people would say, would say um, why should the man of God be, not be accessible? Uh, he's not compulsory. <laughs> it's not compulsory. Jesus was unaccessible at some point. They were blocking Jesus. Hallelujah. That's something else for another time. <laughs> so, some will come in with tattoo and will judge them. Some will come in with so many things and will judge them. Some will come in with some clothing. We say, oh, this is not the clothes you should wear. So, in fact, there are some churches where they stand at the door and give you scarf. They will tie your body very well before you come inside. Say, so you can't enter. Nah, you can't enter this. Say, no, let them come in. Hallelujah. What if Jesus was the one preaching? What is he going to do? So, why was Jesus doing this? Was he condoning their sins? No. Was Jesus condoning their sins? Obviously, no. Even most of what Jesus did was not understood by the apostles. Even the apostles themselves, the disciples that they were wondering, ah, this is a sinner. They didn't even understand. That is why in John 16 verse 12, he told them, I have many things to say unto you yet, but you cannot bear them now. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 10, he told them the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says the things, he says, uh, uh, the things which are seen, which are heard, and all of those things. So Jesus never condemned people. He, what Jesus did was to condemn hypocrites. Hypocrites. So the question would be, was Jesus condoning sins? No, he wasn't condoning sins. Was Jesus telling people to live the way they want to do? No. But he was showing them. If you don't show them the love of Christ, they're going to continue that way. Hallelujah. If they, are not seen, if they don't see that they are forgiven, they are going to continue that way. Look at in John 1 verse 29. John 1 verse 29. Because one of the things you should know that Jesus came to do, look at, look at John 1 verse 29. Are you learning something this morning? John 1 29. It says, the next day, John seared Jesus coming into him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh what? Away the sins of the world. So what was Jesus' responsibility? It was to come and take away the sins of the world. Jesus was to take away the sins of the world. So, in Romans 3, look at in Romans 3. Romans 3. Look at Romans 3. Romans 3. Romans 3, verse 19. Romans 3, verse 19. He says, so we, he says now we know. That what things whatsoever the Lord said, he said them to them that are under the law, and that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. In that says, therefore, the deeds of the law shall not be justified. In that says, in his sight, but the law is the knowledge of sins, but the righteousness of God without law is by the first, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. 
He now says in verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he now says in verse 24, being justified freely. A lot of people stop in verse 23. The statement wasn't complete. It says being justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So if you are guilty of one sin, one thing about the law or the law of Moses is that if you are guilty of one sin, you are guilty of all. So some of you, some people think if I tell lie, lying is a small sin, killing is a bigger one. I don't even know what I'm talking about. No, according to the law, if you lie, it's taking the same weight with killing. It's the same thing. There is no bigger or smaller sin. No, see, some people would have to do, so say, you tell white lie, black lie, yellow lie. Some people would give it different, give it different definition just to cover up their. <laughs> no, it's the same. In Romans 5 verse 12, Romans 5 verse 12, it says, For by one man's sin entered into this world, it says, And death by sin, so death has passed unto all men that have sinned. So if you are guilty of one sin, you are guilty of all. So if you say, oh, you don't, if you say, look, let's, let's bring it to our world today. If you say, oh, I'm not a transgender. I'm not transgender. And you say, Oh, I'm not an homosexual. What they say? Homosexual, right? Is that what they say? I don't like them, so I don't like it. Not them. I don't like the old stuff because it's not biblical. But I can't condemn them. I love them. Are you seeing? Uh, okay. Homosexuality. Now, and you say, okay, homosexuality. Me, I'm, at least me, I'm not homosexual. Me, I know that I'm a man. And you say, okay, I still lie. It's the same. <laughs> Under the law is the same. All of you are both sinners. <laughs> are you seeing it? It's the same. The same. So religion condemns you, but condemnation does not bring salvation. Religion condemns you, but condemnation does not bring salvation. Go to John 3. John 3. You are going to love this. Hallelujah. Look at John 3. John 3. He says, look at it in verse 15, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at it in verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Are you seeing why Jesus didn't condemn anybody? It says, for God sent not the Son to condemn, but that the word through him, by what? Be saved. So religion condemns you, but condemnation does not bring salvation. Because Jesus is the reality. Jesus is our sin bearer. Religion only reveals your sins. Imagine you come to church every Sunday. All they are telling you is you are not righteous. You are still a sinner. Imagine that. You know, some people, that's what they hear every Sunday. You are, you are, you are, you are, no matter what you do, you are still a sinner. You know, I remember when I was much younger. I told you a story. We were in a boarding house then, so they used to preach to us every day. We had services every day. We, at least, we can have about three services in a day. I mean, 
when we're, in, when we're in high school. So there's this one guy we noticed. He was a junior boy. He, 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 in, in, he was in a, a junior boy. <laughs> Every service. Do you want to give your life to Christ? Hi. <laughs> so after like, after we've observed him for almost a month, we had to go to him. Brother, come. What sin are you committing in this body house? Because we had to monitor him. You go to the dining alley, you wash your school uniform. You are not one of those people that wash your school uniform in the morning and dry it and sun dry your school uniform. <laughs> I use that and press it. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you are just wondering, oh my God, what is this? Uh, uh, I'll teach you. It's some of the things we did when we were younger. <laughs> you, you had, uh, we, you know, you, you are a good student, you read your books. So, where exactly are you sinning in this? At least we are in this body now. He said, I don't know. I just believe I'm still a sinner. So we now told him, if you raise up your hand next week and I catch you, you're in trouble. So as they finish the message, because there's a message that you hear, you even be thinking the pastor cannot go to heaven. I've heard someone's like <laughs> As they finished the sermon like this, and they asked, who oh, wants to give his life to Christ? He looked back at us, he started crying. Oh, good. <laughs> he said, I want to give my whole life to Christ. <laughs> Some people come to church every Sunday, and all they are hearing is, you are a sinner. No matter what you do, you will still be a sinner. I remember I was younger. That was one of the things that discouraged me from serving God. I felt at the end of the day, everybody is still going to this empire. I don't even know, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I felt like everybody is still going to, even the preacher that is preaching, he's not even sure of what he's saying. He too is still going to go. Because he said that even if it is just one tinty little thing like this you did, just one dot, and the rapture just happened today, boom, he's going to. He's going to hell. So I just felt like the whole world is going to the fire. It's not true. That's a lie. I say it this way, God is a businessman. He cannot do a business and lose. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is a business. I say this way, God is a businessman. He cannot sacrifice his, his life and allow the devil to win. It's not possible. You are going to be so surprised how many people you will see in heaven. You are going to be so surprised. He's a businessman. He's not going to lose to the devil. No. Something that took him his life. Do you know the Bible called what he did? It says God became poor for us. A lot of my prosperity preachers have told you to, he became poor for you. No, poor means he stripped himself of his glory just for you. He became a man. I have a teaching, the incarnation. You should listen to that. Serious one. I explained how God became, I'm trying to explain how God became a man. He took that place for your sake. Hallelujah. He took that place for your sake. So re religion reveals what is not about you. Let me tell you the truth. If all you keep hearing every Sunday is you are a sinner, you are a sinner, you are bad, you are going to hell, you are never going to live right. 
Hallelujah. If you go to churches, where everywhere, every Sunday, every service, they are putting the consciousness, and, you are, and a lot of people are in so much fear. So much fear, do you know? They are walking like this. Oh, if I take this step like this, am I sin? So before you sleep in the night, you say, Oh Lord, forgive me of all my sins, the sins in my thoughts, the sins in my thinking, sin and I know, knowing and unknowingly, in my thoughts, in my thinking, even the sin that I will sin in the dream. Ah, what's that? So who ask for those things? See, even the sin, there's a way they say it in my language. They say, we have drank sin. <laughs> you don't understand. They, they say it in my language. I don't want to say it because some of you are wondering, am I speaking in tongues? No. <laughs> they say, we've drank sin like water. So Lord, <laughs> No. If you are born again and you believe the gospel and you still call yourself a sinner, something is wrong. Then why did you become born again? What is the essence of your salvation? So why do we go out and preach to people? So that they will also still be sinners? So what is the essence of our message as the church? What is the essence of our message? If when we preach in church, we are still telling people they are sinners... Did they need to repent in church? And we are going outside and we are preaching and we are telling them, Jesus loves you. And they get saved, right? You deceive them, they get saved. They come to church, they come and hear they are sinners. That's why you see some people, a lot of people don't want to go to church. Because they are scared. They are condemned. They feel like they are going to rot in hell and they have accepted it that way. And the voice of the accuser is the devil. Because accusation, condemnation is his voice. So they just feel rotten in whatever they are doing. They just feel soaked in in whatever they are doing. And they just feel, you know what? I'm going to hell. I'm not going to church. I, I prefer staying in the club. I feel accepted in the club. I feel accepted in the world. Why? The voice of the accuser. Just like the religion. Just like how they wanted to stone the woman. Just like how they murmured of Zacchaeus. Just like that woman with the alabaster box. The murmur that her. So she just feel condemned. Okay, you know, the world has condemned me. I'm a sinner. If I look at the kind of description they gave her, he said, so that means everybody in the town knows she's a sinner. And you know, that, that word simply means, if you check history very well, that word simply means she's a prostitute. It simply means that everybody knew that uh, 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 this is somebody that we see every day. Hallelujah. So they've condemned themselves and they are in so much fear. Imagine coming to a church service and still feeling that kind of fear. So what is the essence of coming to church? What is the essence of being among the saints? What is the essence of you getting saved if it is still going to be the same thing? What is the essence? How many of you have thought about that before? What is the essence? Look at it in Romans 6 verse 23. How many of you are learning something in this service this morning? Let me see your hands. All right. Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the very minute you receive the gospel, what did you receive? The gift of God. And what is that gift? Eternal life. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. 
2 Corinthians 5. You're going to love this. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5. So, quit being in fear, right? Fear of condemnation, right? Fear of sin, right? See, the more you are scared of sin is the more you keep living in sin. The more you are scared of lying is the more you keep lying. The more you are scared of killing is the more you kill. <laughs> Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. Or let's see verse 18. Or let's start for verse 17. Are you there? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. I'll wait for you. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, what is he? What is he, guys? Supernatural commission, what is he? He's a new creature. What has happened? All things are what? Passed away. Behold what? All things are what? Become new. All things have become new. So the question would be, if you're still going to be the same when you get saved, what is new in your life? Look at what it says in verse 18. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So what has Christ come to do for us? He has come to reconcile us. Look at it very well. Look at it verse 20. Now, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God does beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that ye be what? Reconciled to God. Verse 21, I want us to read it together. So Christ, wait before that. So Christ comes to reconcile, right? So when you got saved, what happened? You had a reconciliation with God. Reconciliation means now you are with him, right? You are, you know, the meaning of reconciliation? You are reconciled back with God. You have made peace with God, right? Now look at it in verse 21. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. Made him sin for us. So that what? God in what? In him. So he says he had made him sin. Him who what? Knew no sin. So that what? So that what, guys? So, are you still a sinner? You can't be a sinner. It says he had he who knew no sin. So when you were receiving the gospel, what happened? He took your place. What was the essence of the death? The burial of Jesus? The restoration of Jesus? What was he doing? He took your place. Hallelujah. He took your place as that sinner. And what did he do? Don't forget he told us, if any man be in Christ, what has happened to him? He is a what? So sin attitude has gone, right? The sinner aspect has gone, right? What aspect is he wearing now? The righteous aspect. So ask your neighbor, are you still a sinner? What's the answer? No. Are you still a sinner? Come on, ask yourself. Have a conversation. Are you still a sinner? So what are you? Tell me, tell me, what are you? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous. You know, some people are scared of saying that. Say, hey, oh my God. Righteousness, some people think to say I'm righteous means I have to wait on the last day. When the trumpets sound, on the last day, on the last day, only true, this is, this is, some people, Calvinists will tell you, only true believer shall be raptured. 
Adam will cry. Oh, the Lord. And some people say, keep on wearing your trousers. Keep on farming your ears. Keep on tattooing your body's border. Jesus is coming back again. <laughs> no, brethren, I'm righteous. Glory to God. Say, I'm righteous. I am no longer condemned. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is what Christ did. If you still had the same nature, why did Christ come to die? Why did you believe the gospel? Why are you saved? If you are still the same way, like a man on the street who hasn't even heard the gospel, why then did you believe? Why then are you a Christian? So you are righteous. So God does not count any wrong against anyone. Because Christ has taken the punishment on himself. He says he has not come to this world to condemn them. So the sins of this world has been laid at the feet of Jesus. All sins of humanity has been placed on Jesus. Look at Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. Are you learning something this morning? Romans 5 verse 8. He says, but God. Look at it. I, I, I want us to read it together. Romans 5 verse 8. I'll wait for you. Let's, let's, let's go there. Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. Are you there? Are you there now? So, Jesus took our place, right? We said that, right? He took our place. He took the place of the sinner aspect, right? It was laid on him on the cross, right? And he gave you his place, right? Right, guys? All right. Look at it in Romans 5, verse 8. It says, let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. But God condemned his love for us. Why? What happened? So, it's because of his love for us, right? Why were he sinners? What happened? What did he do? What did he do in verse 9? Let's read on in verse 9. Let's read everybody. One, two, ready, go. Being now justified by his blood, we were saved from the wrath. Look at it, verse 10. Let's read it together. Much more, being reconciled, we shall also be what? Saved. Hallelujah. You shall be saved by his life. So the penalty of sins has been paid. It will not be paid. It has been paid. Every sin you will commit has been, has been paid for. Every. I know someone says it's too good to be true. Someone say, ha, are you preaching heresy? No, that doesn't sound like heresy. That's the truth. So we say, ha, righteous. How will you say I'm righteous? Is it not on the last day I will be a righteous? No, when Paul was writing the scriptures, he was calling them saints. They were not dead. To be called saints, it doesn't mean it's when you are dead. Look at it. All the letters of Paul, it started with the saints in the church. The beloved. God has punished sin through Jesus. God has punished sin through Jesus. What does religion do? Religion treats you as worthless. Religion treats you as condemned. Religion treats you as somebody that has no place in Christ. Religion treats you as somebody that cannot go far. Religion treats you as somebody that, oh my God, my sins are too deep for God to forgive. 
We need to treat you as somebody that, oh, condemnation, accusation. The world already sees me this way. No, tell those people on Instagram that God wants them back. Tell the porn stars, tell those on the club that God is not angry with them. I have a message I'm going to teach someday. Sinners in the hands of the seeking God. Someone once taught that message years ago and made sinners in the hands of the angry God. And people thought God is angry. No! It's in the hands of the seeking God. God is not condemning anyone. God wants everyone to come in. But what does God do? What does the grace of God do? It treats everyone with equality. It treats everyone. Look at in Ephesians 2. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 2. We said there's nothing wrong with you, right? So are you saying there's nothing wrong with you? Tell your neighbor, say, is there anything wrong with you? Are you still a sinner? Oh, cool. So, so anybody tells you are you a sinner, say, no! Hallelujah. Let's read Ephesians 2. Let's, we want to read it together. Are you enjoying this? You're preaching with me to this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ephesians 2. Are you there? I'll wait for you. Are you there? Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. Let's start together. One, Ephesians 2, verse 1. I'll wait for you. Everybody, wait. I'll wait for you. So grace treats no one. As a sinner. No. So look at in look at in Ephesians 2, verse 1. Are we there? Alright, we're there, right? All right, let's read together. One, two, ready, go. And you are too quicking. You were dead in trespasses. So look at what he did. He did what with you? He quickened you. Quickened you means he made you alive. Glory to God. That's the meaning of quicken. He quickened you. Why? Let me tell you, a man who has not believed the gospel is a walking dead man. He's called dead. He's still a sinner. He doesn't have life. He doesn't have the life of Christ in him. So that is why what happens to you when you became, when you got saved, it quickened you. It made you alive. That is why internal life doesn't start at the end of your life. It starts the day you got born again. Hallelujah. That is why even when you die, the scripture says you sleep. Because internal life doesn't die. You received it. But what happens to the man who has not received the gospel? He dies. Because he has always been dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at what he did. So look at in verse 2. Look at what God did. Let's read on. It says, and you are taking quicken, right? Let's read on. Let's want to ready go. Want to ready go. Who were there in trespasses and sin, wearing what? In time past, you walk according to the course of this world, according to the priest of the power of the year, the spirit that now walketh in the children of the... You know that's not you, right? Yes, sir. Look at it, verse 3. Among whom also we had our conversation in time past. Because can we say, when you were a sinner? Yes, sir. Right? All right. What were you doing then as a sinner? All right. All right. Look at verse 4. Let's read together now. Hey, wait. One, two, ready, go. Hallelujah. What did he do in verse 5? By grace, 
Where did he do in verse 6? Sit together. Hallelujah. So you are seated with him. Glory to God. Can a sinner be seated with God? It's a righteous man that sits with God in heaven. And that is what he has made you to be. Says he has seated. Look at him, verse 8. What happened? He says, by grace. What happened? You are saved, not by faith. Not of yourself. It is not your crying that saves you. No! It's not your love, forgive me, that saves you. No! Let's read verse 8 together. For what? By grace, what? You are saved, not of yourself, what? But the gift of God, not of works. Less any man should go. If it is by the tears you cried the day you wanted to believe the gospel, you will not be saved today. It's not the tears. It's not, oh Lord, just forgive me. No. It's not of yourself. It's not of your works. A lot of people, a lot of people do that to feel good. Just, just beg him for forgiveness. Beg him. Beg him. Christ. He says, yes, he has forgiven you. <laughs> See, how did you know he forgave you? It's because he has already done it. Hallelujah. Beg him. Beg him. So you, your mind is so fearful. So religious. So, you know, I remember when we were younger, if we fought the Bible on the floor, we, we will lie down with the Bible. Lord. Lord. Oh, oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, I've sinned against every man I have no longer the goodness to become your soul. Make me one of your higher servants. No. You are righteous. righteous. Say, I'm righteous. I am not of your works. No, it's not of your works. It's not. It's not your tears that got you saved, though. It's not your love forgive me that got you saved. It's because he has done it. You, what are you doing? You are only receiving it. It's because he has done it. You are only receiving it. So, it's just the same thing. A lot of people, too, are begging God for mercy. Mercy is an attitude of grace. God gives you what you don't deserve. You see in Titus 3. Let me see if I can find that scripture for you. Titus 3. Titus 3. Are you learning something this morning? What if I'm glad that you're in church? Titus 3. He says, look at him verse see, look at him verse, look at him verse 4, Titus 3, verse 4. But after the kindness and the love of God our Savior to us, man appeared. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. What happened with his mercy? He saved us. By the what? The washing and the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which is shed on us abundantly. Why? Through Jesus our Lord. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace. We should be made heirs. According to the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. So grace gives you what you don't deserve. God gives you what you don't. God, you didn't deserve righteousness. You didn't deserve holiness. You didn't deserve justification. 
he gave it unto you. Via his death, via his prayer, via his resurrection. What is grace? Grace is a person. Grace is the, in, in, the, in the Greek word simply means charis. It means something you give freely. Something you give freely. So we all stand by grace. Grace gives you things freely. Look at in Titus 2.11. It says, for the grace of God has bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. You know, it's still appearing to all men today. You know, when you go and preach to God, to preach the gospel, it's appearing to men. Grace is a person, not even a doctrine. Grace is Jesus. What happened in Zacchaeus' house? Grace came in. Jesus came in. Hallelujah. You know, Zacchaeus didn't go meet Jesus. Jesus went to his house. Same way Jesus comes to you. Religions bow down to grace. Jesus, you know, look at what, look, if you look at even Genesis, Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? This, the very minute he created a solution, says the seed of the woman will bruise the head of serpents. He, he sued free glyphs for them. He covered them up. That's God. Hallelujah. That's the God we serve. What did God do? He called Abraham and Ethan and idol worship. And idol worship, I called him out of that. So you come to God on the merit of Christ's sacrifice. Not because of what you've done. A lot of people believe their giving is what makes them stand out. It's good to give. A teacher on giving strongly. It's good to give. A lot of people believe it's because of the tithes they are paying that there's a mansion built for them in heaven. No! A lot of people believe that it's, <coughs> that it's because, sorry, that it's because of, you know, of the fact that they can cry, they can pray, they, they, they come to church every day, that's what makes them righteous, that's what makes them go to heaven. No, you already made heaven the day you got born again. Heaven is not a place you are going to. Heaven is, a Heaven is not a destination. It's a, it's a place. It's a place that has come into you. Ephesians 2, 6, we just saw it. It said you are seated with him. So are you in heaven now? Yes, Where is he? It says as he is, so are you, right? So that means you are there with him. In Hebrews 10, as I begin to close gradually, Hebrews 10, are you learning something? Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. You see, says, look at what happened in verse 2, or let's start from verse 1. It says, the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commas the unto perfect. For when, for then would they not have ceased to offer because that the worshippers once purged have had no more conscious of, conscious of sin. Look at it, verse 3. But in those sacrifices there was remembrance again made of sins every year. Such that in verse 4 it says, For it is not possible that the blood of Bulls and Go should take away sin. Look at what they did in the old covenant. 
They will take boost and goat every week. Imagine you're bringing goat and goat and boost to church every Sunday to atone for the sins you seen last week. <laughs> That's what they were doing. But what did Jesus do? He says, in burnt offerings, let's say in verse 5, it says, wherefore he said, he says, sacrifice and offering without doers not, but a body does prepare. What is his body? The body of Jesus, right? It says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices of sins, thou hast no pleasure. Hallelujah. Since he doesn't have pleasure. They were coming in every week. Sin conscious mentality. Some of you are still confessing your sins. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Calm down. You are righteous. Receive his righteousness. Stop being in that fear. Stop being in that condemnation. Stop being in that guilt. Stand before God without guilt or blame. Look at in Romans 8 verse 1. Look at Romans 8 verse 1. So we said the blood of Jesus has been shed for us, right? Once and for all. So that means I have entrance into the presence of God all the time. Hallelujah. I have entrance. Look at in Romans 8 verse 1. Romans 8 verse 1. It says, therefore, there is therefore now, what? No more what? Condemnation. To what? To those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, why? But after the spirit. There is no condemnation for you. Tell your neighbor, see, there is no condemnation for you. You're not sounding like you, meaning. You're not sounding like you, meaning. There's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation for you. Look at in Hebrews 4 verse 16. Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. So the believer can walk in boldly today. Hallelujah. There is no scripture that tells Christians to ask for forgiveness of sin. No scripture for that. There is no scripture where it says you should be confessing your sins every day. No. Jesus has offered all the sacrifice, all the price for your sins already. There is just one sacrifice. Just one sacrifice. One sacrifice. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 verse 24. Hebrews 7 verse 24. It says, but this man, because he continued forever at an unchanging priesthood. Look at what it says in verse 25. Wherefore, let's read it together. Hebrews 7. I'll wait for you, Hebrews 7, 24 to 25. I want us to read it together. Want to ready go? But, but this man, because he continued forever, at an unchanging priesthood. Let's read it together, everybody. Verse 25. Wherefore, he's able to what? Save them to the uttermost. Seeing that what? So who is making intercession for you? Jesus is making it for you. Jesus has pleaded your case. So when, when you stand before God, what is God seeing? He's seeing the price he paid. He's seeing Jesus. He's seeing you as sinless. He's seeing you as righteous. He says he's able to save to the uttermost. So that means he is not just your savior, he's your guarantor. The salvation is forever. You can't lose your salvation. Your salvation is forever. A lot of people feel like well, the very minute they, they get saved today, they lose their salvation tomorrow. They get saved today, they lose it tomorrow. They sin today, they lose No! 
Are you going to have short, some shortcomings? Yeah. Let's take, it, let's, let's, let's take it this way. Look at it in Colossians 1. It says he has translated you from where? Let's go to Colossians 1. Let's read it together. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Let's go there. I want us to read it together. Colossians 1. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. Look at Colossians 1, verse 13. Colossians 1, verse 13. What, what did he say? Who had delivered us. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. Uh-huh. So what happened? He took you from somewhere, right? Into somewhere. So can we say a sinner is the one in the power of darkness? Right? But he has translated you where? To the kingdom of light. So where are you now? Where are you now? So who, is, who stays in the kingdom of light? Righteous people, right? Holy people, right? Forgiving people. Look at what it says in verse 14. In whom we have what? Redemption through his blood. What? Even what? The forgiveness of sins. So you move to a new location. So I know you might struggle in your new location, right? Just like it might take you a time to adjust in a new location. You might say, oh, the weather condition here, yeah, I don't understand it. You know, I'm still trying to get a job, still trying to settle down in a new location. But does that mean that you are leaving the location? So does that change your state? No. It doesn't change your state. You are who Christ has made you. So God is not a spiritual policeman seeking for your sin. I say, hey, hey, you have sin. You cross the red light, stop. Take a ticket. What's the ticket? Maybe sickness. Take it. <laughs> That's not God. God is not a spiritual policeman hunting for your sins. God is not a believer policeman looking at you and saying, ah, yes, I catch him. <laughs> you know, the fear, of, the fear of American police is the beginning of wisdom, you know. <laughs> so the blood of Jesus is the price for your life. So Jesus' blood is your worth. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus' blood, Jesus blood is your worth. It's cleansed you of all your sins. Hallelujah. So Jesus bore your sins. Jesus bore your sins. There is no record of your sins in heaven. There's no record. So say, ah, what's your name? Samarita Jacobs. Oh, there are five Samarita Jacobs. So move. You know, some people think that's how God says. God just sit down somewhere as one throne. Everybody will line up with you and say, ah, oh, this is you. Then there will not be one screen that will show them and say, this is what you did on the 23rd of July, 2023. Watch it. Every brethren, watch it and let's see. Are you seeing that I tried? So are you seeing that it is fire the person belongs to? Now go to fire. That's not God. That's not God. That's religion. That's not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They deceived you by thinking it's that. They lied to you. They lied to you by thinking God will sit down one day and just call your name. Next... Come next. <laughs> you are too black. You're too black. Or they look at Alex. Say, Alex, why do you tie your ear that way? 
<laughs> no, yeah, it's too coily for our liking. Stand and let's show you your sin. So now I say, watch it. Brethren, the whole world will now watch you and say, wow. Mm. A fire. Move. That's not God. Hallelujah. That's not God. There is no record of your sins in heaven. The record about you, let me tell you, is that you are righteous. Is you are holy. What God has done. When God sees you, he sees the blood. Hallelujah. You know what Moses told them? In, in, he says, look. He says, he put the braces up. He said, look and you live. The blood. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpents in the brazen, he lifted up the brazen serpents in the winner. So shall the son of man be lifted up. Higher. And he died for our sins. So there's no record of your sins in heaven. No record. Hallelujah. In the new covenant. That's why if you notice in the new covenant, all the sins of the patriarch were not mentioned. All the sins that Abraham did was not mentioned. You will find Solomon's sin in Hebrews 12. You will find David and Bathsheba's story in Hebrews 12. <laughs> you will find it in Hebrews 11. You will find it. You will find it. Look at Isaiah 44 verse 22. It says, I blotted out as thick as a cloud their transgression. I love this scripture. It says, as for a cloud that sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Hallelujah. So heaven is not a reward. It is your inheritance. It is why you believe the gospel. Heaven is not a reward for your salvation. A lot of people think, you want to go to heaven? No. It is actually your inheritance. It is what belongs to you. Heaven is part of your right and privilege in Christ. So when you believe the gospel, what happened? You made heaven already. So you are not trying to make heaven. You made it in Christ. Why? Because the heaven himself now lives in you. You know, that's why we sing that song. Heaven is here. We see. We know. Heaven is here. Hallelujah. So no condemnation in Christ. Pray for me, I close. No condemnation in Christ. No condemnation in Christ. No condemnation in Christ. That is why Paul, who was once a killer, who most murdered, who was the Isis, the Ayokada, the Boko Haram of Christianity, said, the blood of no one is on my hands. <laughs> Hallelujah. How, how dare he say that? He says, the blood of no, he says, I've wronged no man. The blood of no one is on my hands. How dare he say that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because that's what God does. When David had that sin with Bathsheba, what happened? He moved on before God forgave him. He didn't die in it. Hallelujah. In the new covenant, there is no condemnation. There's no guilt. Hallelujah. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. Hallelujah. Philippians 3. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. Theos neighbor said there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. 
In Philippians 3.20 it says, For our conversation is in heaven. Hallelujah. Since our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. A lot of people are trying to get God's acceptance. But you know what? He has accepted you. In Ephesians 1, he said he has accepted us in the beloved. So tell the transgender, the homosexuality, to stop trying to seek for acceptance. God has accepted them. They just need to believe the gospel. So look at what Jesus has done for you. It is on that merit you can ask for healing. Say, Lord, I ask for healing. I can be healed. Look at John 20, 17. I want everybody to see this. John 20, 17. It is on that basis you can call God Father. You can't call him Father before. A lot of people call him God. He is your Father. Look at John 20, 17. Look at what he did after he rose again from the dead. Look at what he said. John 20, 17. Are you there? Let's read it together, everybody. John 20, 17. And Jesus said unto her, Are you there? Touch me not, I am not ascended unto what? My father. He now says, But go to my brethren and, and say unto them, Let's read it together. I do what? Said unto my father and your father, and to my God. Hallelujah. So you and I can call God Father. So you can say, Father, I ask for healing. Father, why? Because his blood has made it possible. It's your right and privilege in Christ. You can say, Father, you can say, Father, I thank you because I'm not condemned in your presence. Father, I thank you. That's why you can say that. You know, you can say, Thank you, Jesus. So look at what Jesus has done for you. Are you righteous? Are you holy? A saint? Still condemned? Still condemned? In fear? Still in fear? In guilt? So there's nothing wrong with you. It is all on Jesus. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with you. It's all on Jesus. Everything that is supposed to go wrong with me is already on Jesus. That's where we are trying to go. That's what I'm trying to say in this sermon. Everything that was supposed to go wrong with me has been placed on Jesus. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not condemned. I'm not in fear. I'm righteous. I am bold. I'm a new creation. I am not a sinner. Hallelujah. Get you a copy of the new creation reality before you leave and read it again. Hallelujah. We have a, we have a pamphlet there, the new creation reality. Thick one before you leave service today. And see it again. See, there's nothing wrong with me. It's all on Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you blessed this morning? Let's be on our feet and let's thank the name of the Lord. Thank Him. It's all on Jesus. It's all on Jesus. It's on this basis you and I can ask for healing. It's on this basis you can ask for provision. And say, Lord, Father, I ask you, Lord, that this week there is provision available for me. You can say, Father, 
I receive favor from men this week. You know why? It's all on him. These are my rights and privilege in Christ. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank him. Tell him, say, Father, I thank you. You know, talk to him like he's your earthly father. Talk to him like he's somebody you, you can talk to. Say, Father, I thank you. Lift your hands, thank you.